Hello and welcome to Tales from the Engine Room, where we meet the people who make up the skiff, a co-working community in central Brighton. There's nothing I like more than helping people and helping people grow the things that they love. I'm Caroline Bevan, I'm a digital storyteller and I'm based at the skiff too. Across this series of eight interviews we'll be meeting freelancers, remote workers, solopreneurs and small team leaders asking the question, what are you working on today? This week we meet Alice Dewart-Mills, a commercial director with a big idea. So my name is Alice Dewart-Mills uh, and I have set up my own company called Looking Glass Solutions. Provide, basically kind of taking the chaos out of contracts and commercial strategy. Um, I've been a commercial director for more years than I probably care to admit to. Uh, I got to that stage where I just wanted to do what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing, but uh, I wanted to do it to help people who are looking to grow and who are struggling. We work in a variety of ways. Um, it can be either on a retainer base basis, um, but we've also supported people in reviewing their contracts. And then one of the final things that I'm looking to pull together, and this has come predominantly out of working at the SCIF, is to doing some uh, online cohort training for freelancers, um, because the SCIF is an inspiring place to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely got me from where I used to be to where I am today and where I'm going to um, and I find I spend a lot of time talking about contracts so I love talking about that but what I'm looking to do is kind of pull that together into uh, a short kind of training course with a cohort so it's more going to be more around discussions than just here's me telling you stuff because you know I get that contracts are boring for other people. Yeah. So how did you get into this, this field in the first place? You know, did you grow up a teenager or a kid going, I really want to be a commercial director? So I went to university in Bath and at the time they were doing sandwich placements. Um, and I'm of an age where that was quite novel. So it was like two years at uni, one year's working, one year um, uh, back at uni for your mm -hmm. final year. Um, and that really appealed to me because I'm not particularly academic. So what were you studying? What subject? Uh, politics with economics. Okay. Well, <laughs> so a politician then, obviously, or an uh, yeah. economist. People from my course either kind of went randomly into politics or into the NHS. A lot of people went into the NHS. I'm not quite sure why. You didn't, you didn't fancy either of those routes? Well, I'd like to say my career path was structured, but uh, it came to the time and we were like, all frantically applying for placements. A lot of my friends were doing HR, so I applied for HR at Boots and went and interviewed for that before I got there and thought, I don't want to do this, why would I want to do this? <laughs> um, but uh, I ended up filling out a form for Rolls-Royce for their uh, placement scheme um, because it was only three pages. It sounds like a good enough reason. God knows how I got an interview because I put a whole bit about how I liked cars uh, and Rolls-Royce don't do cars any longer. <laughs> Uh, they do, they do aeroplane and helicopter engines, um, and I'm pretty sure I only got the job because I had turned up for the interview with missing two of my teeth. <laughs> okay, that's a story. What helped? What happened there? Um, so uh, I had uh, two adult teeth that never came down, right. uh, and the dentist said, "We'll take them out and we'll do it over the Easter holidays because you're going to have to be without teeth for a week or two yeah. uh, to let it settle down before we put a plate in." Um, and Rolls Royce phoned me up and said, "Can you come for an interview next week?" And I'm like. Well, I can, but I've got no, I've got no teeth. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you think that worked in your favour? Do you think they were like, oh, this poor fool here with no teeth? I, I, I think it may be more oh. memorable. <laughs> but, yeah, they're like, now we've got yeah. all, these, all these CVs and resumes of all these like identical students. Who was the one that didn't have the teeth? Yes. Do you think that was yeah. what it was? <laughs> um, so I went to work for Rolls-Royce on a business placement, had the time of my life. Um, there were like 30 of us uh, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And I learned a lot and I really enjoyed it. And um, it made me realise just, I'm a lot better at working than I am writing essays. Um, and then they invited me back as a graduate uh, in, this, in this sector called um, Contracts and Commercial. I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but you're going to pay me some money for my final year and you're going to offer me a job, so yes. <laughs> and over 20 years later, I'm still in the contracts and commercial management field. <laughs> wow. But So now, what, what changed to put you in this, in this place where you think, actually, you want to start your own thing, move into... Was it, was it seeing a, a problem that needed solving or was it something in you that wanted to have a change? I think... Probably a bit of both. So I've been coming to the skiff now for nearly two years and I originally started coming because we were having building work um, and it was just a, I need to get away as well so I could have, sit there and work and not be moving from room to room to avoid it. Um, and I mean, I'm still here because it's such a great environment. Um, but I think what I've discovered, and it's a great community, and I think that's something I really, really value, and I really value as being part of Brighton. Um, I think it's a very strong community city, mm. um, I've, and I feel very strongly part of the community here at the Skiff, like I do at school, the school that my kids go to. Um, but what I found is I talk to a lot of people, and um, a lot of people, and I find myself giving a lot of, a lot of advice. <laughs> Like anti-commercial, here yeah. um, which is great, and because there's nothing I like more than helping people and helping people grow the things that they love. Yeah. And I think what I was doing as a day job is great, and I loved my job. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I was helping people who were already quite rich make a lot more money, yeah. um, and growing things that we weren't really I didn't really care about. Yeah. Um, and there's so many people with so much passion um, that it's great. It, mm -hmm. And I, I want to help people do that. I want to help people grow where they get stuck. It's interesting because the, 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 the service or the, the, the insight and the, the expertise that you have is, I'm sure, something that, that small companies starting out or you know, people that are going from maybe freelance to tiny little agency yeah. to, to start up to what, whatever it is they're growing into. They'd only think about a role like yours when they needed it. Exactly, and that's what that's kind of the way that I pitched my business. I'm really here for the stuff that keeps you awake in the middle of the night yeah. because you don't know how to do it. I mean, there's no point in me coming. I don't add any value if I come in and tell you stuff you already know. But there's lots of stuff that you know. You know your product or your service, and you love that, and you've developed that, and you know that inside and out. You don't know the risks of if you're selling that into a really big company. I mean, I've worked for a lot of big companies. They will try and screw you over where they can. Um, so you want someone on your, in your corner to help negotiate your side of that. I think it's it's really easy just to go, okay, I'll sign it, and then you know, six months down the line, you realise you made a bit of a mistake because you've lost some of your IP or you know the terms aren't as favourable or don't work for you. It doesn't matter about being favourable; they don't work for your personal setup. It's interesting because the, the alternative is in, 
for people like me would probably be speak to a lawyer which feels terrifying in itself even though they're supposed to be on your side you think don't trust it it's expensive it's terrifying but actually you're an alternative to that yeah yeah I mean don't get me wrong I've got a very extensive network of uh lawyers who who I will field work to when it's out of my remit mm-hmm. um, you know if it's a point of law you need to speak to a lawyer yeah. um, but there is a lot that you can do without a lawyer for a lot less money <laughs> and also there's a lot more that you'll get from uh, the likes of like looking glass solutions that you wouldn't get from a lawyer mm-hmm. because a lawyer will give you a point of view on, a, on the legal side of it what they won't be able to do is give you or they won't they won't give you that business side of it you know, so for example, um, I was talking to a client recently about um, c- can they do this with their pricing? I'm like, well, you can. You know, it, it's within the realms of your contract, but you might want to pitch it this way because, you know, so for example, one of the things I've been telling my clients a lot in the current climate is um, if you are not increasing your prices and you should have a clause in your contract that allows you to increase for inflation, but if you're not doing that, you need to tell your clients that you're not doing that. You need to be able to bank the goodwill, as it were, and go, look, we value the relationship. You know, we all know that inflation is over 10% still. Um, we're not passing that on to you yeah. because we really value it. And, and you're, gen- you're generating something that, even if you didn't have the ability to put the price up, you're generating something that wasn't there before. And that's the sort of advice you wouldn't get from a lawyer. They would go, yes, you can or no, you can't. Yeah. So this is the kind of advice, obviously, you could give someone who puts you on a, a retainer or has you on their, on their, on their books, someone yeah. that they come to. But also you mentioned earlier on this idea of almost like a cohort, almost like a, like a, like a school to learn and learn about all this stuff. So how, how would that work? So one of the things so we offer is training for people's in-house contract management um, because quite often small companies can hire someone quite junior um, but without that they, they, you know without that they need that kind of overseeing level and you know I've spent years developing people across the globe you know my teams will always be multinational um, but I think something that's really come out of working here at the skiff is I think there is a, a gap in the market for people who want who want to learn a bit more about contracts. Um, I think when I talk to freelancers, I think it's something that they find quite scary (laughs) and they don't really want to touch. Um, But contracts are just a conversation, right? It's the word is terrifying. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm I'm nodding here and getting a little bit of a cold sweat because the because I I you know I in the past I've had like a two page very loose agreement with clients almost just to set out the boundaries of what the relationship is and I know that's what a contract is but it's, it's just something about that word that it puts most freelancers in a tailspin and you just it's almost easier not to even bring it yeah. up and then you're just even even in a more precarious situation I'm sure but it's not even about being in a precarious legal situation I think a contract or a term of business or whatever you want to call it and because a name is just a name um, is really important because if you can lay out what you're delivering you and your client know what you're going to get or what they're going to get so you're minimizing any kind of potential confusion down the line or any potential disappointment because that happens you know you think you've had the conversation and you think you're both on the same page but you know sometimes you're not entirely um 
But the whole purpose of the training is to, and I want to run it as, as cohorts because I think it works better as a discussion, um, is to, <laughs> you know, run probably about four sessions and just have a conversation to empower people to have those conversations themselves and to kind of go, payment terms. I can have this conversation to say, look, my standard payment terms are 70, uh, oh, sorry, are 14 days, but if you need longer, that's fine, but it might cost you a bit more because, you know, that money's not in my bank account and I'm a freelancer mm -hmm. and I'm dependent on the cash flow. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. that's a, you know, that's a human argument. You can kind of say, I need, there's nothing wrong with saying I need that cash flow because I'm a freelancer. I'm not a big business that has a bank account with, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds in it to sit and pay yeah. my payroll. <laughs> And, and it's it's so interesting because you put you put three freelancers in a in a room and there's ten different ways that they'll do pricing because it'll change between yeah. different clients it'll change between different projects and you go oh I know them it's fine the terms are different because it's them it's it's much more of a woolly fluffy but I love this idea of of almost setting up the setting up almost like a, I feel like a, a business therapy space where we yeah. can, where we can all kind of <laughs> flash out what we're doing and thinking, oh, actually that doesn't that works for you and that. But you're there with the kind of this this all these years of experience and saying, actually here's 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 some things that really would work. Yeah, from experience. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So yeah, that's that's the uh, awesome plan, awesome twenty twenty three. Good lord. So how um so you, you what I love is that this this idea kind of came from from being in this in this co work space that you know from I guess. Was was it your first? I mean, obviously, it's not the first time, first time you'd ever met a freelancer. But is it is it the first time that you've worked in a in a space like this, which is full predominantly of of kind of yeah. solopreneurs or freelancers? Yeah, and and I think the whole entrepreneurial spirit of the skiff is amazing, um, and it's definitely made me braver. So, for example, as well as that, I've got I'm, I'm also helping a friend develop an app, um, a, health, a health app, um, very early stages, um, but she had a, an amazing idea. Uh, I am not good at tech or ideas, but I am good at implementation and, you know, uh, and I, having just set up about my own business, yeah. I'm also like, oh, these are all the things that we need to consider. Um, I probably would not have grasped that opportunity if I hadn't been surrounded by people I see week on week just doing stuff. <laughs> There is that spirit in this place. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's and I've worked in other co-working spaces and nowhere else quite has this. Um, oh, let's try it. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are you doing? Oh, that looks good. Let's. Oh, oh, can I help with that? And there's a there's a sort of collaboration going on behind the scenes, and there's just this real kind of melting pot. And for such a quiet, unassuming place. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think it coming in, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's what it is. One of those places I, I watch people go. Well. I'll try it. I might like it. I might not. And what's the harm? If it goes wrong, what's the harm? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, so it's, it's made me braver. It's made me a lot braver. And it's a lot more exciting. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so in terms of practically, because at the moment you are still, um, I know you're, you're currently setting up uh, your own business and working on this health app as well, but you are also still a remote worker mm -hmm. at the moment. So how does that work in terms of being in a, in a space like this? How Have you always been remote or is it, uh, was it a I've pand been pandemic? a remote worker for about 15 years. Okay, so you've got it down pat. You know what you're doing. Yeah, um, so I am very skilled at, and you know, I've always worked in a very geographically dispersed 
teams. Um, so I am very good at building communities virtually. Um, and I think that's really, really important if you're, um, if you're not in an office. Uh, because otherwise it gets a bit lonely. <laughs> so how do you do that? Like how? Because I, I know a lot of people are struggling since the pandemic who have been, you know, lifelong office workers and are suddenly, oh, you can just work from home now. And they have no idea how that works. Or And, and sometimes there's a loneliness because they're not now with face-to-face human beings. So how do you, how do you build those communities digitally? So I think you have to make time to chat to people. Um, so, you know, in Teams calls... I will have a bit of a chat and then also I'm very open and upfront about some of my personal stuff now obviously there's a lot of stuff I, I don't want to share with people I work with but you know I will chat away about the fact you know I'm a mum of two I've got a dog um, <laughs> and and I think one of the things that was unexpected at the back of that um, and which I am very proud of is um, so I've worked in very senior positions whilst juggling two small children um, and one of my colleagues uh, said to me a couple of years ago you made me see that I could have kids and do it um, which is one of the things that has really really moved me because it is a juggle and it is hard but rather than hide that away I kind of think I need to show that to people because just because I, I might not be there at half past three when I'm picking up the kids from school <laughs> back online <laughs> in the evening yeah. um, and but you can do it in some ways if you want to um, and that's so important to have have examples of people who are making it work and it's not about being superwoman it's not about no. trying to do all the things and you know I, I really hate that somebody once said to me in some networking session they said oh um because I said oh, I just don't have time for all the things and they said, and she said, "You've got the same amount of hours as Beyonce." And I was like, "Yes, but Beyonce has a staff of fifty. Yeah. She has nannies and someone to empty the flipping dishwasher." Yeah, for. you know, it's it's not the same. It's, <laughs> it's not the same, and it involves a lot of compromise. Yeah. But I do think, and I think this is moving a lot more, much more rapidly post pandemic. But businesses and industries aren't going to change unless we push the change. Um, and my work life is very very flexible you know i am i I work lots of hours but i do it here and there and i i I try and schedule in it when it suits me now don't get me wrong still have the clashes of stuff that is you know pulling my hair out but um you know i have no problem if someone phones me and says you know i'm picking my kids up from school i'll call you back in half you know i'll chat to you now or i'll call you back in half an hour um because I still get the job done yeah you know and at the end of the day if you're sharing that you still get the job done that's all that people care about do you have like a typical day or is it you just go by the <laughs> see if your pants and whatever I, happens no I, I don't really have a typical day um I mostly work in Europe now so sometimes that means calls from like 7 a.m in the morning um but I mean, I think the thing that I find the most useful is I block everything out in my calendar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so for example, this is blocked out. This is blocked out of my calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it happens, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it just helps me to organise all of all of the things that I need to do. But I think the only thing I typically do every day is I get up 
and I, when I turn on my laptop, I write down my to-do list. And I try my hardest to keep that to-do list of things that I think I can get at least 70% done in the day. That's good. Because otherwise it's really soul-destroying. <laughs> that, that list that just keeps getting bigger yeah. and bigger as the day goes yeah. on. So, um, that's, so in your calendar, you're saying about blocking things out. Do you also block out, because obviously you block out events or meetings and things like that. Yeah. That, 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 makes, that makes sense. Do you also block out, here's what I'm going to work on this. So block out time for yourself to work on either you know, um, commercial director work or side project work or new business work. Do you have that all blocked out as well? I don't. Uh, and I know that works for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really work for me personally because of just how my brain works. I, um, I am very deadline driven. I'm a very deadline driven person. <laughs> and I would love to be that organized person that goes, I'm just going to do two hours on this. But actually, the nature of my business means that I could block that time out, but someone will be pinging me. Um, you know, something else urgent might come in. Um, so hence why I kind of have that to-do list. I go, well, these are the most important things. So that's what I'll try and work through first. You know, I'm not also adverse to putting things on my to-do list and ticking them off before I've do- after I've done them. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> for the base. I have to cross them out. I can't do a ticking. Yeah. If I can still read it, it hasn't been done. So I have to like black mark it. Oh, I've got an electric, electronic one in one note. Ah, I'm all about the pen and paper. You see, this is what I love. And I, I love it when we, you know, we get, to, we get to our age and we can work out what works for us. And it's not just, you know, I've tried a million different productivity systems and bullet journaling and all these different things. And for me, it comes back to a notepad or a notebook with tiny little post-it notes in it and I have like a Trello style system, but yeah. it's all on bits of paper in my notebook. And for me, that always works. So it's, it's, it's nice, isn't it, that you, we've kind of found what works for our particular yeah. brains. And, and I, think, I think that's kind of it. It's, it's about going, what, what works for your brain? Yeah. Because brains are all very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I find that working with lots of other people, that you know, people can come across it in very different ways. And I think that's interesting as, as, as freelancers that we are, in, in you know working in this in the environment and you must have seen this that everybody because you are your business you know I am my business I'm a, I'm a solo person working just for myself and my business is a definite extension of my personality and I run it that way and that can be chaotic sometimes and it can also be a bit you know a bit slow sometimes and it's but it's because and I guess this comes back to this this cohort system that you that you're going to do is that you can almost help people iron out the the personality bits that are impacting on their business in a bad way and help yeah. them keep the bits that... And I guess that's something you see from businesses, that that personality Yeah, and I don't think it's bad that your business is a reflection on you. I think that's great. That's a fantastic thing. I think that's how it should be. Because, you know, fundamentally, at the end of the day, people buy from people. You know, it's the, the trust and the relationship that you kind of build up with people that means you buy from them. Um, but the whole point of setting, well not the whole point, but one of the points of setting up my own business is I want to be me, you know, and I think also I'm at that age where I've got that realisation that me is pretty cool, I'm pretty happy with who I am and, I'm, and, and I want to work with people who want to work with people like me. Um, you know, and I kind of think like in my 20s and the early 30s I was very much a lot more business focused um and you know it was very 
efficient and in this sort of way and I, I am efficient I'm not I'm not gonna lie I'm a bit of an organizational freak but do you know what I like working on lots of different things yeah. you know I like um, you know my brain works at 100 miles an hour and uh, I, I, I keep an eye on that but that's that's its natural that's its natural space you know and and that's okay I've got a couple of quick questions just because I thought let's wrap up with a kind of a bit of a quick fire question. So um, it's currently coming up to lunchtime. What's for lunch today? Uh, leftover cottage pie. Ooh. <laughs> Homemade? Yeah. Do you do, yeah. do, you, do you cook? Or do oh you... God, no. No, I very rarely cook um, because I'm a bit shocking at it. But this is one of the few things I can cook. It's my daughter's favourite and she's poorly at the moment. So she had it for tea last night and because she's poorly, there's leftovers. If you didn't live in Brighton, where would you live? Um, in the UK, probably Bristol. Mm -hmm. I spent many years in Bristol. I love it a lot. Nice. It's a very similar vibe to Brighton, I think. If not UK, worldwide? I think I'd be a bit nomadic. Oh, you see, that's such... A lifestyle that I wish I could do but I just don't think I'd be organized I'd leave laptop chargers in yeah. every single place oh I'm sure I'm sure that's the case <laughs> I'm sure that I mean I'm I'm the person who's renowned for getting something whenever we go away <laughs> <laughs> no I think might be a challenge for us I, don't know. Yeah. I, no, I, love, I love that idea of like working on a beach in Thailand and then going to Amsterdam or Berlin or yeah yeah if, if, if I could I would love to do that maybe when the kids are older yeah if you could earn the same money doing any single job in the world what job would you do? I do what I do now. I really have a love for it. I love the problem fixing side of it. I love the negotiation and the resolution side of it. I love the, you know, that the helping helping people side of it. Um, it it's, can be a field that can be seen as, you know, a bit of a, you know, you need to be aggressive and all of, you know, table thumping and all of that sort of stuff. And I, don't get me wrong, I have worked for people like that in this field, which isn't my style. You know, um, I am much more partnerial and let's get a resolution and, you know, and bring in the human side to, to what you're talking about. Um, and I love that. And you can find out more about Alice and her new venture at Looking Glass Solutions on LinkedIn and Instagram, plus lookingglasssolutions.com. And if you're interested in working alongside people like Alice and myself, then head to theskiff.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Tales from the Engine Room, and we'll see you next time.